Good morning. Last week we started a new series in the book of Second Peter. And I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles this morning with me to Second Peter. We will be looking at verses 5 through 11 this morning. If you remember with me, Peter uh, is the Apostle Peter here. And he wrote this letter toward the end of his life. Uh, just church historians would say that he passed away in 58 A.D. Most likely, 1 Peter was written in 54. So this was probably written soon after, around 64 A.D. Peter writes to talk about several themes. He talks about Christian maturity. He talks about false teachers that have crept into the church who are saying that it's okay to live your life any way that you want to because of Christian liberty. He's talking about faithful living in hard times. He talks about being motivated by the Lord's return. And last week, as he introduced this book, we saw that he started talking about one of the main themes right from the beginning, and that is knowledge. And his premise was that knowing Jesus Christ should have an effect on how we live our daily lives. Knowing Jesus should make a difference in how we live. He talked about in verses 1 and 2 the fact that knowing Jesus is our means of enjoying grace and peace in our lives. And then in chapter 1 verse 3, Peter said this, that everything that we need to live the Christian life, everything that we need to grow to spiritual maturity, everything that we need to live a life that's marked by Christ-likeness, has already been granted to us in Christ. At the moment you became a Christian, at the moment I became a Christian, everything that we need has already been given to us. And so Peter today is going to say, since that's true, let's start pursuing spiritual maturity. Let's take active steps to live out our lives in such a way that people can see Christ in and through us. I'm going to read the verses uh, out of my Bible, New American Standard, and you can follow along in your copy this morning. Second Peter chapter 1, starting the read in verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, in your godliness brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things... You will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. 
Now, Peter here is going to challenge us, all of us as his readers, to take steps, active steps, to pursue Christ-likeness, to pursue spiritual maturity. And yet, we can also think of passages where it teaches that that's God's work, that God is the one who brings us to maturity. Verses like Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, talk, say this, for I am confident that this very thing, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Or chapter 2, verse 13 of Philippians says, For it's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And what Peter's point is this. Yes, this is a work of God that he does in and through us. And we're going to, going to talk about that this morning. But there's also an aspect here where Peter calls upon us, followers of Jesus Christ, that we too have a responsibility to take active steps toward Christian maturity. Can we do it in our strength, in our own strength? No way. Does God, is God the one who ultimately brings about spiritual maturity? Yes. But Peter says we've been equipped with everything that we need to live the Christian life. Now let's actively, as followers of Jesus Christ, pursue him. Pursue him with all of our might. Pursue more and more. Of Jesus Christ. The older I get, the harder it is for me to work out. It just hurts. And over the years, my main two things that I have liked, enjoyed doing is running and playing basketball. And I still try to do those things, but I have a regimen. I start out before I go to play basketball, I take some, take three Advil, then I use Icy Hot, then I get to the gym early and try to stretch out as much as possible, shoot a little bit, stretch out some more, shoot a little bit, stretch out some more. I play, thoroughly enjoy it, come home, take more Advil, and then take Advil for about the next 72 hours. It just hurts, and so... In running, I still enjoy running. I enjoy running out in the country where we live. But I hit the ultimate in humiliation a couple years ago when I was passed by a power walker. Can you believe that? I'm supposedly running and I am passed by a power walker. I thought, this is not good. So this summer I thought, okay, I am going to, I've got to come up with something that's low impact on my joints that I enjoy doing to continue to get a good workout. So I thought, okay, we're close to the bike trail. I will hit the bike. I hit the bike. I hated it. I'm bent over and and it hurts terribly between my shoulders and and my seat did not feel good. And and I, I tried it and it wasn't fun and I tried it again and it still wasn't fun and I tried it again and it really still wasn't fun. And then a buddy of mine said this, you just have to keep doing it. 
And you know, there's a real parallel there to our pursuit of spiritual maturity. A lot of the things that we need to do to grow closer to the person of Jesus Christ, to more uh, readily resemble Him in our everyday lives, a lot of the spiritual disciplines that we need to practice in order to grow aren't always fun. And yet, we just need to keep doing it. And so, Peter this morning is going to challenge us Pursue spiritual growth with every fiber of your body. We're going to begin by looking at verses 5 through 9. And we're simply going to see Peter challenging us that we must actively pursue spiritual maturity. If you look at verse 5, you'll notice the first phrase says, Now for this very reason also. Now, well, for what very reason? Well, he's talking about what he has just said in verses 3 and 4. In verse 3, he just got done saying that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that we need to live a Christ-like life, we have. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 tells us that at the point of faith... Every Christian is indwelled by the Spirit of God. It's hard for us to grasp, but the third person of the Trinity actually takes up residence within your life and my life. He lives there. And he teaches us. He convicts us. He takes the words of this book and takes them and applies them to our hearts. Paul in the book of Romans chapter 6 tells us that before I became a Christian, I had no choice but to sin. My sinful nature, my bent towards sin within me had a grip on my life. But at the point of faith, I died to who I used to be. I'm no longer that person. I don't have to sin anymore. Do I still have a sin nature? Yes, but I'm not bound to it. So Paul says in Romans 6, 11, even so consider yourselves yet to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So all of these things happen to us. At the point of faith, we become a new person. We're no longer bound to sin. We have the indwelling Spirit of God. Here Peter puts it this way in verse 3, that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So, Peter says in verse 5, because of that, because He's already given us everything that we need to live the Christian life, Pursue it. In fact, he says, applying all diligence. Make every effort with all the zeal that you can muster. Actively pursue maturity. Pursue spiritual growth. Take active steps to grow. Applying all diligence. And then he's going to list Eight Christian virtues. It's as if Peter says, okay, I want to give you a picture of what your life should look like. And so he lists eight things here. The first of which is so absolutely critical that there will be no growth unless the first is present, and that is faith. 
Verse 5, in your faith, supply moral excellence. You see, Peter started the whole book, chapter 1, verse 1, talking about the necessity of faith. He talks, says, in Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says, your faith is the same as my faith. It's a common faith. I'm no more special than you. We all believe the same Truth about the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is God. That the Father cannot just overlook sin because it would violate his very character and nature. As our creator, he has the right to demand Christ-likeness, holiness from us, but we all sin. We all think things and do things that go contrary to his very nature and his revealed will. And because of that... Because of his righteousness, him being the right standard, he has to punish sin. If he did not exercise wrath towards sin, it would violate his very holiness. But he's not only a holy God, completely separate from sin. He's not only a righteous God, the right standard, he's also a God of love. And so what he did is took all of that wrath that he has toward my sin and your sin and poured it out on his son who knew no sin. And because he did that out of the depths of his love... And Jesus died bearing all the penalty for the sin of the world. And then rose again from the dead proving that he's God. Because he did that, through faith in him, we can have forgiveness and enter into right relationship with God. That's what Peter's talking about here when he says that we've received the same kind of faith that he has. It's faith in the person of Jesus Christ. You cannot have any spiritual maturity in your life apart from knowing Jesus Christ. There's no true spirituality apart from the person of Jesus Christ. So Peter begins his list of eight Christian virtues here where he must begin with faith. Now he says, upon that foundation of faith, add these things. Verse 5 Moral excellence. We saw that word at the end of verse 3, talking about Jesus Christ and his goodness, in his moral excellence who knew no sin. He actually attracts the sinner because he's our only hope. And so here, Peter says, built upon that foundation of faith, start pursuing living for Jesus Christ in such a way that your life resembles his. That your life is marked by goodness, by moral excellence. That more and more you can see lived out in your life and in my life, life apart from the rule of sin. To moral excellence, he says, add knowledge. Get to know him. Get to know his word. Get to know his His commands and his precepts, his attributes, so much so that as we get to know him, we apply his word to our lives, aligning our life with his will. To knowledge, he says, adds self-control. We'll see that several of these items here are also listed by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 as being a work of the Spirit of God. You see, Peter is not telling us to just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. 
Here we see that the Spirit of God is doing a work in the life of the believer. Peter says, from a human perspective, pursue it. Pursue self-control. Pursue living your life in such a way that we don't succumb to temptation as it hits us. Take the steps we need to fight temptation. And then he says, to our self-control, add perseverance. Two Greek words there form one. One of the Greek words talks about remaining. And the other Greek word talks about under. So it's like remaining under. In other words, stay firm under pressure. Perseverance is staying faithful to Jesus Christ when everything's going wrong. Remain under the trials that we face. You see, Peter's saying, keep pressing toward Jesus Christ regardless of our daily circumstances. And then he says, to our perseverance, godliness. That also, that term showed up in verse 3 when it says that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that we need to live our lives in such a way that Christ can be seen in us. That we actually resemble Jesus Christ. Peter says, pursue that. And finally, he ends up with two words for love. Brotherly kindness and to our brotherly kindness, love. Actually caring for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And doing it in a selfless way that's only enabled by the Spirit of God. So Peter says, we've been equipped for everything that we need to live the Christian life. Now, since that's true, let's take active steps to pursue it. He says in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is is almost assuming here for his readers, these Christians that he's referred to in verse 1, that these things are already present. He's saying let's keep pursuing them more and more. That they will resemble our lives on a daily basis to a greater, in a, to a greater way, to a greater extent. But he says in verse 9, if they're not there... He who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Literally, the word is the person has just been shutting their eyes. It's as if they know all the right things to say. They, They could even tell you the gospel, but they're just shutting their eyes to what Internally to what Jesus Christ has really done for them. And, and I think what Peter's doing is alluding to what he's going to talk about in chapter 2. We've been equipped to live the Christian life. Now Peter says, actively pursue it. I had a phone conversation with my youngest son yesterday. Who seems, who appears to his dad to right now He's kind of lackadaisical about getting to know girls. And, and so I said, you know, Shane, why don't you just tomorrow morning 
You know, go up to girl and stick out your hand and say, Hi, I'm Shane. He said, Dad, that's a good idea. He's he's kind of just been passive. He's like, well, you know, if one comes across my path, I might say hi kind of thing. He's just so passive. And, I, and I've been telling him, I think I'm going to have to start coaching him. Because I knew how to go after the girl. When I set my sights on my wife, I actively went after her. When I decided... I was going to pursue her. I pursued the girl. I started, we were in college together, and I said, hey, let's start running together. We started to run together. Then I asked her out on a date. After that date, I asked her out for a second date. After about three dates, I said, I want you to only date me. After about three months, I knew she was the one, and I kind of made a mistake and told her a little bit too soon and freaked her out. So then... Then she said, well, I'm going to go work at a Christian ministry in South Dakota all summer. Code, I need a little time away from you. And so she went to South Dakota. I kept pursuing her. I called her. I wrote her letters. I met her in Mitchell, South Dakota. In South Dakota, took her to a wedding. I drove up to Keystone and spent a weekend up there. I pursued the girl. She came back in the fall. I was still pursuing I think she finally realized he's not going to go away. I might as well say yes. And I married her. You see, I actively pursued the girl. You're not going to get the girl passively. And here, Peter is saying, you don't passively pursue Jesus Christ. We actively take steps to pursue Jesus. Now, how do we do that? just want to share some practical things here to help us actively pursue Jesus. Now again, remember, in order to actively pursue Jesus Christ and Christ-likeness or spiritual maturity, it has to begin with a relationship. So Peter is not at all here trying to say that we somehow earn merit with God by trying to put on character. No. He started his list by talking about faith. We cannot be a spiritual person apart from having a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. And so we begin pursuing Jesus Christ by putting our faith in Him, our trust in Him. The Bible is very clear. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. If we could earn it, we'd brag about it. And so, the first thing that has to be in place is we have to place our trust. We have to transfer the dependence of our life from ourselves, thinking I can be a good enough person to earn merit with God, and take that dependence off of ourselves and put it solely on the person of Jesus Christ, believing that He is God, that He died to pay the price for my sin and rose again from the dead. That's where our journey begins. And by the way, if you don't know if you have ever made that decision in your life immediately after this service. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church, one of our elders, will be back in our prayer room directly behind you. 
And you can just stop back there. He can give you some material that you can take home, take out your Bible, look up passages of Scripture that help show you how you can know for sure that you're right with God. Peter doesn't stop there, though. He said, okay, now, based on that foundation of faith, we pursue these traits of Christian maturity. Well, how do I pursue those? Well, we've already said that several of these traits are the product or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We know from the book of Galatians in the fifth chapter that when the Spirit comes in and takes up residence in our lives and we allow our lives to be underneath His control or yielded to Him, He produces things like peace and patience and kindness and love and self-control. All of those things that the Spirit of God does. How do I pursue those? Well, one of the things that's so critical for each and every believer is that we seek those things through the empowerment of the Spirit of God. There's a verse in the book of Ephesians in the fifth chapter, verse 18. It says, don't get drunk with wine. That's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't allow alcohol to control you. Allow the Spirit of God to control you. So one of the things that I do... And my personal walk with Christ is just every day, multiple times a day, I just go to him in prayer and I say, please fill me right now. Please control me by your Holy Spirit. The other thing that's so important in allowing the Spirit of God to control us so that he is able to replicate Jesus Christ's life through us is that we don't allow sin to take up residence in our life. Remember 1 John 1, 9, very basic verse. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When sin gets a hold in our life and we don't confess it, it's like kinking up our relationship with the Spirit of God. We still have a relationship, but we kink it up. I've shared this illustration with you many times that one of the fun things I used to do as a kid with my sisters is if they would ever be out washing the car, I'd go around the corner of the house and turn and take the hose and I'd kink it up. Then the girls would inevitably look at it like this. And then you unkink it and spray them in the face. It's a lot of fun. You have to try it. And so when we sin, it's like kinking up the hose. It's like the Spirit of God is no longer able to flow through us and empower us and work through us. We still have a relationship but he can't use us. And so by confessing our sin, it's like unkinking the hose so that he's free to flow through us and use us and, and equip us. So one of the ways we pursue spiritual maturity is by going to him in prayer and regularly expressing our dependence on him. I need the Spirit to be in control of my life today. Remember, Romans 8 9 assures us that every Christian has the Spirit of God living inside of us. But sometimes we don't allow Him to control us. And so, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit. So we come to Him and just pray and express our dependence on Him. Say, Father, please fill me with Your Spirit today. Control me by Your Spirit. Spirit of God, help me see if there's areas of sin that I have not been willing to confess. And then we confess that sin so that the Spirit of God is able to work in and through us. Another thing that we need to do in pursuing these 
marks of spiritual maturity is we have to hear from God. We have to spend time in our Bibles. That means reading the Word. I would encourage us to memorize the Word. And if you're like me and you think, oh man, memorizing is so hard, just try to trick yourself and don't say that you're memorizing Scripture. Just take a passage of Scripture, write it out on a little card, put it on your dash, put it on your armrest of your car when you're at a stoplight, just read it and read it and read it, and read it. And you'll find by the time you've read it over quite a few times, you'll have it memorized. It's great. And then the Spirit of God can take that verse and use it in our life to encourage us, help us to become more like Jesus Christ. It's also important for us to remember that we need each other. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Don't forsake your assembling together, but rather spur one another on to love and good deeds. We need to be in relationship. We need to be in an adult ed class. We need to be in a community group where brothers and sisters in Christ can encourage us on. We've launched a new pilot small group this fall that uh, will open up in, in multiple ways after the first of the year for more in-depth accountability with brothers and sisters in the Lord in a closed group type of setting. All of these relationships we need to spur us on in pursuing Jesus Christ actively. Now, Peter has said this. Everything that we need to to live the Christian life, we have as a Christian. Therefore, start pursuing him. Then we come to verses 10 and 11. And he says in verse 10, therefore. Most likely referring all the way back to everything that he said up to this point. All the way back to verse 3 through verse 9. Therefore, I want you to be all the more diligent. Not a mistake, it's the same form of the word that's used in verse 5 when it says applying all diligence. Therefore, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. And really what Peter is saying is this. It's good to think about your own salvation. Now, Peter uses some terms here, your calling and choosing. And those are terms that remind us that ultimately... Our salvation has been a work of grace that God has done in our lives by helping us see our need for a Savior. He calls us. He chooses us. I'm going to list off some passages that you can read at a later time. We'll look at a couple of them. But passages that refer to the calling that God does for our salvation in Romans chapter 1 verse 7, Romans chapter 8 verse 30, and 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Romans 1 7, Romans 8 30, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. I'm going to read that 1 Corinthians passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9, talking about our calling. 1 Corinthians 1 9 says this, God is faithful through whom You were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Peter also says we need to make sure about our choosing. Passages that talk about us being chosen for salvation are Romans chapter 8 verse 33. Romans chapter 11 verse 5. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. And Colossians 3.12. So Romans 8.33, Romans 11.5, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, and Colossians 3.12. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5 which says this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Now, Peter here says there's a human aspect here that, yes, we know that God chooses us, he calls us, But people must believe. We have a responsibility to put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. We have a God who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And here Peter says, be introspective just for a bit. He puts it, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Remember in verse 9, he just talked about the person who doesn't have these characteristics in their life. He's going to talk in chapter 2 about people who know all the right words to say. They could probably even voice the gospel. But yet, we see in Second Peter chapter 2, these ones who... Uh, really don't even know the person of Jesus. And so, for example, it says in chapter 2, verse 21, it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. Now, the scripture is clear. If a person becomes a Christian and places their trust in Jesus Christ, they will not lose their salvation. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 tells us the Spirit of God comes in and takes up residence. Ephesians 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit is our seal, our guarantee of our future inheritance. So a Christian, a person who has placed their trust in Jesus Christ, does not lose their salvation. But... These ones that Peter's going to talk about in chapter 2, these ones that he alludes to here in chapter 2 Peter 1 verse 9 and a little bit here in verse 10, are those who have had the opportunity to hear about the gospel. They've had the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ and what he's done for them and what he's accomplished for them. And yet... In verse 9 it says they are blind or short-sighted. They have shut the eyes to the truth. And so Peter says, I've just listed these characteristics, these traits of one who's pursuing Jesus Christ. If you don't see any of those traits, have you put your trust in Jesus Christ, because the normal Christian life will bear fruit. Peter says, 
in verse 10, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Do I have a desire to live for Jesus Christ? When I realize that I've sinned, does it cause me grief in my heart? Is there any fruit in my life? Do I see some of these characteristics? Maybe not fully fledged, but do I see some glimpses of growth in my life? And Peter, in encouraging us, says, yes, when we do see some glimpses of growth, it just encourages us on in our Christian life and it reminds us of our inheritance We come to verse 11 and it says, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. So if a person does not have any fruit in their life, if they they don't resemble Jesus Christ at all, does that mean that they've never truly put their trust in Christ? Not necessarily. We know from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, That people can get to a state, a true Christian can get to a state where they're so hard-hearted, they live in sin and don't even recognize it's sin. In fact, Paul says the church was actually proud of their open thinking when this guy was having relations with his dad's wife. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, the Apostle Paul explains what happens when a person chooses to not pursue Jesus Christ. They're going to suffer Discipline from the Lord. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 5, he says, I've decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So yes, there are people who are genuine Christians who live such a carnal life, such a life that is so hardened to the things of the Lord that their life doesn't look like it. But that's not the norm. The norm is that when a person becomes a Christian, there should be starting to see some fruit of the Spirit of God's work in their life. I love spending time with my grandpa. And one of the things I used to love about my grandpa is that he knew so much about things outside. He loved trees. He was always planting another tree. That man had tin cans all over the farmyard, in uh, along the garden, out on the edges of fields. He'd go into the timber. He'd find another little baby tree. He'd dig it up. He'd take it and plant it someplace else. That guy was always planting a tree. And he knew his trees. He could look, take one look at a tree and tell me what kind of an oak that was or what uh, a variety of tree that was. And I always wondered, Grandpa, how do you know so much about trees? I could never know. In fact, I finally had to buy the National Audubon Society Field Guide to Trees so that I could even figure out what tree I was looking at. And so I have to cheat and I come in here and I, I find a, a picture of the leaf and I find a picture of maybe some fruit that that tree might have uh, off of it or a picture of the bark. You see, a picture of the tree helps me identify it. And what Peter is doing is he's giving us a picture of maturity in Christ. And he says, that's what your life should look like. Why? Because you've been equipped for Christ-likeness. Everything that we need We've been given to live out the Christian life. Everything that we need 
to exemplify Christ-likeness. We have. And so Peter says, let's pursue it actively. Sometimes we won't feel like it. Sometimes it's going to hurt like going for a run when we haven't had enough Advil. And I don't know about you, but I've, like, I've started this year some new rhythms in my life for just practicing the spiritual disciplines of prayer and time in the Word. And so I'm kind of an outlook guy, a schedule guy. And so in my calendar, I actually have on every week, I have sections blocked out in an outlook on my calendar so that I will make sure that it's in my schedule. This time I'm going to pray by myself. This time I'm going to pray with some brothers in the Lord. And I have it blocked out. Why? You think, well, that's anal. Yeah, but I found when I don't have it blocked out, it gets scheduled over. And so I actually have found for me, it helps me to block out some times to pursue Jesus Christ. Now, that's not enough. We have to pursue Jesus Christ all the time. But what Peter's talking about here is whatever you need to do, whatever I need to do, we need to actively pursue him with, as he says in verse 5, applying all diligence, making every effort to pursue Jesus because we need to actively pursue spiritual growth. If you're here today and you just want to spend some time in prayer, I'd encourage you also to stop back at the prayer room, spend some time in prayer this morning, and uh, we just we find encouragement in His Word that we're equipped. And now Peter says, "Pursue, Father, we thank you for Your Word, for the encouragement we have of Your call upon us to pursue holiness, to pursue spiritual maturity." We know it's not by our own strength. It's by the, the equipping that you've already done in us by your spirit. But you also call us to actively take steps towards spiritual growth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.